So good evening, church. Mm, I like the energy on this side. I feel we need to catch up. Uh, guys, good evening, church. Good evening. We're almost there. Good evening, church. Isn't God good? God is good. And all the time. God is good. And all the time. Hallelujah. Somebody give him a clap. Thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you. Um, so good evening. My name is Justin. I'm Bamardo. And we're privileged to um, be given a word today, actually, and we're continuing with our community series. Um, so last week, um, a part of, a part of our community series, we talked about friendship. Friendship. Okay. And how many of you were blessed by that? Fantastic. So today, we're talking about something that's not so controversial in community, the church community, and inside of the body of Christ. Um, and the reason why it's not so controversial is because it's not focused on at all. Or in actual fact, when we do focus on it, it's very Christianese. How many of you have ever said the words, God use me? Or give me a heart like you? Or God, I want to serve you? And how many of you had in your mind how, which way, some, a few ways that you want God to be able to use you? How many of you had that? No, all of you were just open blank checks. God use me in any way. And I think what's so funny is the fact that when it comes to service, there are particular ways in which we want God to use us. There are particular ways in which we approach service. And if we're not mistaken, it often needs to be, I will willingly work for you. But at the end of the day, there needs to be some exposure from it. It has to be using this particular gift because let's be honest sometimes when we settle on god use me it's i've got a gift and use me you know i can sing the sh people hear me in the shower you know i can sing but now i don't want to sing just any song i want to be on the worship team so when i say use me i mean lord when i stand here use me <laughs> or you know i could speak to people so some way somehow i'm going to be diligent i'm going to read my bible i'm going to pray so, Lord, use me one day, and you know how you want, I want to be used. I want to stand here one day, and when I say use me, use me. Or, I know how to, you know, these spiritual giftings that I see people about, I'm going to seek you so much, you're going to give me one of those. And one day when I say use me, use me in that way. When I prophesy and say, thus say the Lord, let it echo. Yeah. When I lay hands and I say, in Jesus' name, be healed, <laughs> I want what? healing. I don't want no 24-hour three-day testimony ASAP. Do you know what I'm saying? When I evangelize and I say, Jesus loves you, I want you to say, Lord, I give you my heart and my soul. That's how I want you to use me. But one of the biggest lessons that I got about service is actually the fact that the heart of Christ is the heart of service. And if we really want God to use us, especially in our community, we need to be ready for him to Use us in service in whatever way. And one of the biggest people that I came across, I remember reading the Bible in um, Acts chapter 9, um, verses 10 to 20. Can we throw that on the board? Just keep okay. No, we'll flow, we'll flow, we'll flow. Um, yeah, so if you could read Acts chapter 9 from verse 10 going down for us. Um, and I'll give you a background story, basically. Majority of the New Testament is written by a man that we know, and we call him Paul. Some people call him the Apostle Paul. And majority of the New Testament is written by him. And as someone that 
without him, maybe Christianity will not be what we know it to be today. How many of us know? If we didn't have from Acts going on, it would just what stop at the Gospels. And a few other people would chip in here and there. But Paul, who used to be known as Saul, was basically, how do we describe? He was a terrorist, essentially. Um, and what he used to do is he used to persecute the body of Christ. And those who have just given their lives to Christ, and he used to kill those people because they were blaspheming, essentially, or what he thought was blasphemy. And when we want to change our lives or we want to be used for God's glory, this is the way in which we want a dramatic change. We want to go from the roads to church. Yeah. And those are the people that when they walk into the body of Christ, we really exalt. Those are the people that are really used for service. But this man's change doesn't come on its own. But he's seen Jesus and basically in a great sort of manifestation, he's been blinded. He basically has a testimony that's going to save a lot of people, basically. But when he's blind, in Acts chapter 9, verses 10, if you read it for us. In Damascus, there was a disciple named Ananias. The Lord called to him in a vision, Ananias. Yes, Lord, he answered. The Lord told him, go to the house of Judas on Straight Street and ask for a man from Tarsus named Saul, for he is praying. In a vision, he has seen a man named Ananias come and place his hands on him to restore his sight. Lord, Ananias answered, I've heard many reports about this man and all the harm he has done to your holy people in Jerusalem. And he's come here with authority from the chief priest to arrest all who call on your name. But the Lord said to Ananias, go, this man is my chosen instrument to proclaim my name to the Gentiles and their kings and to the people of Israel. I will show him how much he must suffer for my name. Then Ananias went to the house and entered it. Placing his hands on Saul, he said, brother Saul, the Lord Jesus who appeared to you on the road as you were coming here has sent me so that you may see again and be filled with the Holy Spirit. Immediately, something like scales fell from Saul's eyes and he could see again. He got up and was baptized, and after taking some food, he regained his strength. Saul spent several days with the disciples in Damascus. At once, he began to preach in the synagogues that Jesus is the Son of God. And at once, he began to preach that Jesus is the Son of God. So this essentially is the birth of Paul. But I don't know if you guys have ever heard of Ananias. Has anyone here heard of Ananias? Now, there are two Ananiases in the Bible. There's one that really, you know, our parents used to use it as a, teaching lesson, don't lie to God, don't lie to the Holy Spirit. That's that Ananias. But maybe we didn't know about this Ananias. But before there was a pool, there was one man sitting up in his bedroom, praying, minding his own business. Maybe he was praying, God use me, God use me, God use me. And God gave him one task. And we hear his name no more inside of the Bible. But every single book after that is the man that God used him to sort of bring to life. But it's funny after that, maybe Paul in every one of his books, you think, because of this great act of service, this great act of obedience, Ananias did not have to do what he did when God called him to do. Because he had every reason. How do I know this guy is for real? How do I know that he will not kill me when I get there? Because basically we're all in hiding. If I could pray with the others, I would. But I'm praying alone because he wants to kill every single one of us. And now you're sending me to him. And if he's blind, why not let him be blind? There are blind Christians around. Let him, at least let him get some payment for what he's done so far. If he's come to you, cool. He can be a blind guy that gave his life to Christ. But here you are. You want me to go all of that way. And at least once I go all of that way and you give me the most famous person that Christianity has ever known, 
let him give me some credit for my service. But after that, you hear Ananias no more. And how many of us, given the task by God and saying, go, I'm going to use you in healing. Hallelujah. I'm going to lay hands on him and the eyes would open. You would use that for your ministry from here on. But from that point, we hear Ananias no more. So then I asked the question, so what was the point of his service? What was the point of him being used by God and going that way? Did Paul say thank you? No. Did Paul even say, my sir, what's your ministry? Where are you from? What church like? What, what power do you have kind of thing? Paul didn't say any of that. After that, it said he got up and he went to proclaim, you know, the nations. At least if you have access to every synagogue, take me along with you so other people can know I am prophet Ananias. Pastor Ananias, evangelist, wonderful minstrel Ananias. No. Not even a SoundCloud link. Nope. <laughs> Nothing like that at all. So then I beg and I ask God, so if no one will ever know my name, if I will never hear a thank you, if no one will ever acknowledge that I did this in your name, what's the point of serving? So um, we just wanted to look at what service actually is. So just like doing a quick little Googles. Um, <laughs> Googles, yes. It says um, that service is to perform duties um, for another person or an organization, and it's to be of some use. But like my definition of serving is really that it's love, because it's sacrificial. You give something of yourself that can never be repaid, and you're meeting a physical or a spiritual need. Um, and the Bible also says that service is our identity. So if we go, can we go? Romans 1.1. <laughs> Um, it says, Paul, a servant of Christ Jesus, called to be an apostle and set apart for the gospel of God. So the fact that the Bible, the first thing it says about Paul is that he's a servant. It doesn't say, oh, Paul, the one who was going to all the synagogues preach. It says that later because that's important. That's our role. But in terms of our life mission, who we actually are, who we're called to be, it is servants. It's not just something we do in the here and now. Um, and to serve... And to know that serving is our identity, we need to know who our master is. So if we go to 2 Corinthians 4, verse 5, it says, For what we preach is not ourselves, but Jesus Christ as Lord, and ourselves as servants for Jesus' sake. So we need to know that our master is Jesus. Our master is God. And when we know that, um, it says in Galatians 1, verse 10, Am I now trying to win approval of human beings or of God? Or am I trying to please people? If I was still trying to please people, I would not be a servant of Christ. So when we take on the identity of a servant, we are pleasing to God. We do things that please him. Um, so yeah, that's what service is. So um, how does serving fit in with our spiritual giftings? Um, and I think this is one important part of service that maybe for a long time I didn't even consider, maybe just before this particular thing, that how many of us know, and I think it's First um, Corinthians chapter 14, and Paul talks about earnestly desire the best gifts, yeah. earnestly desire the best spiritual gifts. So this is not a, um, um, a message just to say, do you know, focus on this instead of this. If you earnestly desire to move in the spirit, the spirit of God, move in the things of God, definitely go to that. If God is asking you, or you know you sense, you feel a, a spiritual gifting um, brewing inside of you, or God is really moving and he's teaching you in these particular ways, move inside of those things. But I think what we then find is, as much as we earnestly desire these spiritual gifts, 
we push aside a particular spiritual gift that I even think is so key inside of the body of Christ. Paul says one thing, he says, if we all could prophesy but we had love, we had no love, our prophecy is nothing. If we had every single, if we had angels, um, tongues of angels, if we could speak in every other known tongue or any other thing, but we could not love others, it's of no use. And that's purely because love is just the heart of God. Um, in James, it talks about the fact that how can you say you love a God that you don't see and hate your brother that you do see? Because it's virtually impossible to say, I love and I have the heart of God and not be able to give to the person that is next to you. So I'm sure right now if I ask, will you serve God? Ask the person next to you, will you serve God? Well, well make sure they answer you. Make sure they answer you. Yeah, yeah. What was the general consensus? In general... Everyone would serve God, right? Cool. So now ask the person to your opposite, will you serve me? Mm. And make sure they answer you. Will you, will you. Will you serve me? Yes. You will serve me. No problem. No problem. Okay, cool. So is everyone looking at someone? You're looking at someone that you ask, will you serve me, right? So to that same person, say these exact words to them. Did they say yes, by the way? Did they say yes? Or some people said no? You know, we're honest. We're honest. We're honest. Did, did you say yes? Did you say yes? Or you said no, you wouldn't serve. Okay, cool. Anyone, anyone say yeah? No, okay, cool. So to the people that said yes to you, if they said yes to you, now ask them this. Tell them this. Though you said you'll serve me, I may never acknowledge you. I may never say thank you. I may stand up here after you saving my life and give glory to the last person that came in just before my transition. And I may never mention your name until you put in hours on the phone, praying me through, encouraging me out of the dark space. But I may never say your name in my testimony. Will you still serve me? Ask them. <laughs> okay. But essentially, I gave you a long list. But you see... It becomes harder, it becomes tougher, and it becomes so much longer when you realize that, oh, everything that I have to give to serve is purely not of me. I have to wholeheartedly give myself, open up myself to whether they will ever acknowledge me or whether they don't. But you know one person that came to do that is who? Jesus. And he wholeheartedly gave himself. That is exactly why I say serving the heart of service is directly the heart of christ but did you know that as much as you could prophesy as much as god gave you the gift to prophesy word of knowledge you lay hands and the healing you shout and encouragement and all of these christian things that are so good did you know serving is also a gift of the spirit in um romans chapter 12 verses 3 to 7 do you mind opening that for me romans chapter 12 verses 3 to 7 It says, for by grace given me, I say to every one of you, do not think of yourself more highly than you ought, but rather think of yourself with sober judgment in accordance with the faith God has distributed to each of you. For just as each of us has one body with many members and, these me and each member belongs to all the other. So in Christ, we though many form one body and each member belongs to all the others. We have different gifts according to the grace given to each of us. 
If your gift is prophesying, then prophesy in accordance with your faith. If it is serving, then serve. If it is teaching, then teach. So if your gift is to prophesy, prophesy according to your faith. Mm. But if your gift is also to serve, serve according to your faith. But how many of us could be sitting on a gift of service but not paying attention to it because service could mean any menial thing. It could mean giving yourself to someone else and them never acknowledging you. If I give you a good prophetic word, you look at me and say, mm, sir, you're sharp. <laughs> if I, what's it, if I teach you, is it teaching? Yeah. So if I teach you something and I open up and I show you the, the, the Greek to the Hebrew and to the Latin and what Paul really meant, you would say, mm, this boy is sharp. But if I serve you at the back and I give you, last a few weeks ago, my thing was mulled wine. And I give you a cup of good mulled wine. You even be like, mm, it's not sweet enough. Who even poured the water to squash ratio in this thing? But that's your gift. What if you approached God and you said, Lord, I want something for you. And he didn't give you something magnificent as you think. And he just said, here's a gift to be able to serve. Do that. I guess I say all of that to say the same emphasis that we place on these other gifts inside of the body that make it work. Yours might be serving. And how great would it be if all of us focused on these gifts for servants that we had and we were able to use it inside of the body of Christ? It would benefit each and every one of us because we would no longer be about what ourselves and now becomes about Bomadi and it becomes about Justin and it becomes about Kim and any other person here. But in order to understand why we particularly have this gift, and why it's important, because maybe you won't accept it in a way that you would just accept a gift of word of knowledge if it came. But we need to understand why then we need to be able to serve. So why do we serve? Wow. <laughs> um, so one of the reasons why we serve is because God first loved us. Um, in the Bible, it talks about love a lot and how God is love. But if you look at 2 Chronicles verse six, um, chapter 6, verse 14, it says, he said, the Lord God of Israel, there's no God like you in heaven or earth. You keep your covenant of love with your servants who continue wholeheartedly in your way. And that continue wholeheartedly just means like continue to serve you. But God's love is never failing and it always is pouring out for us. And he even gave, as Justin was going to talk about, um, he gave his son for us so that we would have everlasting life. So to be honest, it's just like a natural response to God's goodness. Um, so in 1 Samuel verse 12, chapter 12 verse 24 it says be sure to fear the lord and serve him faithfully with all your heart consider what great things he has done for you um and i really want to draw the attention to all your heart because as much as we're really encouraging serving today it can't just be out of duty it can't be out of obligation or out of pressure hopefully you feel none here <laughs> but it can't just be because oh yeah apparently good christians like meant to be like on a team like so i have to join like a team it should really be because you love god and it flows from the heart because it's pointless if we're serving out of our own strength because serving is for god so it needs to be with him in mind but god is so good that even when we serve, even though it's as a reflection of his love, he still does so many great things for us. So in John 12, verse 26, it says, whoever serves me must follow me and where I am, my servant also will be. My father will honor the one who serves me. So it says God will honor us because of our service. In Deuteronomy 11, verse 13 to 15, sorry, just need to get this up. Murmur amongst yourselves. 
I'm literally like this all the time. It's fine. I'm here. Um, <laughs> it says, um, so, so Deuteronomy 11, verse 13. It says, so if you faithfully obey the commands I'm giving you today to love the Lord your God and serve him with all your heart and with all your soul, then I will send rain on your land in its season, both autumn and spring rains, so that you may gather grain, new wine, and olive oil. I'll provide grass in the fields for your cattle and you will eat and be satisfied. So God is really good. We serve him, but he's really ready to give us all the grain. Uh, what would grain be like in 2019? All the money. We're all here, out here, trying to trying to earn some. 2020, oh my gosh, we're in 2020. Sorry, guys. Even in my diary, I was realizing I've been writing 2019 for a while. Um, but yeah, like he's ready to give us all the money, all the houses, the relationships, the children, if we're ready for it. Anything that you consider a blessing. Why are you guys hiding? You know, children are a blessing. It says it in the words, okay, please. You guys came here because someone wanted to be blessed, please. <laughs> but yeah, like through our service, he's ready to order, um, give it to us all. And then in Hebrews 6 verse 10, it says, God is not unjust. He will not forget your work and the love you've shown him as you've helped his people and continue to help them. So I think it's important to draw that we're talking about community. We're talking about service in community. And a lot of people think you can have a very individual relationship with God and other people don't need to really get involved. But God loves when we show help and show love to his people. Um, so I just wanted to focus on Joseph for a little bit. Um, so if you guys don't know, Joseph was like a really cool guy. He had 12 brothers, you know, but he was the most beloved by his father. He was out here, one multi, multi-colored coat. If you guys have seen the play, the guy swings like this. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah, before all of that, if we look at Genesis verse 37, verse 2, it says, this is the account of Jacob's family line. Joseph, a young man of 17, was tending the flocks with his brothers, the sons of Bila and the sons of Zilpha his father's wives, and he brought their father a bad report about them sometimes. But I think it's important, again, similar to Paul, how the first introduction we get of Joseph is that he was tending to the flocks with his brothers. He was a servant from the very beginning, and that is what changed and impacted the narrative of his whole life. So background of Joseph, most loved by his father. He had two dreams initially that he told his brothers that... Um, all of their bundles of grain were going to bow down to his bundle of grain. And that also the sun and move and the 11 stars, which is his whole family, would also bow down to him. And so obviously his brothers were really upset about that. Because like, can you imagine someone's just like, all of you man, I'm the youngest by the way, all of you man gonna bow down to me. Um, so yeah, they threw him in a well. They were gonna kill him, but then Reuben's like, oh, we shouldn't do this. <laughs> so they're like, oh, let's sell him instead. So he ended up getting sold by traders to Potiphar in Egypt. So if we go into Genesis 39, um, that's how Joseph ends up with Potiphar. So it says, now Joseph had been taken down to Egypt. Potiphar, an Egyptian, he was one of Pharaoh's officials. The captain of the guard bought him from the Ishmaelites who had taken him there. The Lord was with Joseph so that he prospered and he lived in the house of his Egyptian master. When his master saw that the Lord was with him and that the Lord gave him success in everything he did, Joseph found favor in his eyes and became his attendant. Potiphar put him in charge of his household, and he entrusted to his care everything he owned. From the time he put him in charge of his household, 
and of all that he owned, the Lord blessed the household of the Egyptian because of Joseph. The blessing of the Lord was on everything Potiphar had, both in the house and in the field. So I think it's important to draw attention to verse three, two and three, where it says the Lord was with Joseph. Obviously, Emmanuel, God is always with us, but putting yourself in a position of service is really where God can meet you. And if we look at verse five, it also says Potiphar's whole house was blessed. So other people are blessed by our service. It's not just for us. It's not just like, oh, I want the cool, I don't know, car. I can't drive, but let's pretend I wanted a car. Even if you have that car, God and I'll be like, so on your way to church, pick up four people. So <laughs> that's how service works in the body. Um, so Joseph was like a cool man, handsome young man. And so Potiphar's wife was trying to sleep with him. And he refused <laughs> in 39 verse 8, but he refused. With me in charge, he told her, my master does not concern himself with anything in the house. Everything he owns, he is entrusted to my care. No one is greater in this house than I am. My master has withheld nothing from me except you because you're his wife. How then could I do such a wicked thing and sin against God? So I think it's really important when we are serving, again, as I was saying, it's from a heart that loves God. We need to remember our master. Joseph is really good here. He remembers his earthly master as well, but it also says, how can I sin against God? So even though he was sold to slavery by his brothers, he was remembering God in this situation and remembering how God has always been with him and how he's blessed him and blessed Potiphar's house because he was there. So I think it's important when we are serving, when we are doing really menial tasks that we think we shouldn't be doing or that we don't deserve to be doing, that we shouldn't take advantage of those situations. We shouldn't cut corners in those situations um, because Joseph's story probably would have been really sad and would have ended if he slept with Potiphar's wife then because Potiphar would have found out eventually but then he'd be in prison actually for like real like because he deserved it um and that would have been the end of Joseph and that would have been like really sad so <laughs> yeah it's important to really have good character and honor when we're serving so um moving on to 39 verse 20 to 23 Potiphar's wife now blames um, Joseph and says, oh, he tried to take advantage of me. He didn't. He was really good. He didn't sleep with her. But Potiphar believed his wife, and so he got thrown in prison. So in 39 verse 20, it says, Joseph's master took him and put him in prison, the place where the king's prisoners were confined. For while Joseph was there in prison, the Lord was with him. He showed him kindness and granted him favor in the eyes of the prison warden. So the warden put Joseph in charge of all those held in the prison, and he was made responsible for all that was there. The warden paid no attention to anything under Joseph's care because the Lord was with Joseph and gave him success in whatever he did. Again, in your service, the Lord is there. And um, it's important to be diligent again in everything you did because he was in prison. Again, he knows owed no one in this life anything but he was good enough that the warden put everything in his care and everything went smoothly for the time that joseph was taking care of the prison so i think it's important that even though we are serving others and it doesn't benefit us we need to do it well and we need to do it with a really good heart um so joseph now begins interpreting dreams in prison again serving this guy it's like he just loves it like for me if someone threw me in prison after I was already made a slave, I would be really annoyed at the world. I'm not doing anything for anyone. Um, God changed my heart. <laughs> but yeah, so he was serving again um, by interpreting dreams um, of the Pharaoh's cupbearer and baker. Um, so they said to him, we both had dreams, but there's none to interpret them. Joseph said to them, do interpretations 
not belong to God, tell me your dreams. So again, remembering his master, remembering the one who placed you in these positions, even though you may think they're lowly, even though you may think you are undeserving to be placed here, remember the God that put you here and you will just see the fruits in your life. And so he used the gift God has given him, the dreams and the interpreting of dreams to serve others whilst in the prison. And even in this, he was still glorifying God. If he was out here like, yeah, like... I can interpret dreams. Like, it just came from me. Like, I was just born this way. I'm sure he would have flopped and then he never would have got to meet Pharaoh um, in the end. So it's important to use our gifts to serve God and remember God as we're serving. So the cupbearer ended up going back to Pharaoh and um, Pharaoh had two dreams that were really weighing on his mind um, that he couldn't interpret and none of his other magicians could interpret it. And it was about seven fat cows and seven skinny cows and the skinny cows eating the fat cows and then seven full bundles of grain and seven thin bundles of grain. And again, the seven thin bundles swallowed the full one. And so I was just talking about the vision of seven years of prosperity and seven years of famine in Egypt. And so um, when um, Pharaoh asked Joseph to interpret his dreams, he said, I cannot do it, but God will give Pharaoh the answer he desires. Mm. Again, remembering God in everything we do, we don't do things by our own strength. We don't do them in our own power, but we do them through Christ. Mm. Um, and because he was able to interpret Joseph, um, Pharaoh's dreams, God elevated Joseph. So he now became second in command in Egypt. So he was like a shepherd before, then he was sold to slavery. Then he was a prisoner, but then he was like the guard of the prisoners. Then he was interpreting Jews in the prison. Now he's second in command in Egypt. So God really just takes him from strength to strength. Um, and so in Genesis 45, Joseph now meets his brothers. They don't recognize him um, initially, um, but they come to buy grain. But then Joseph like sends them back and then they have to come again with um, Benjamin. But when he eventually reveals himself, um, he says um, in Genesis 45, verse 5 to 8, but now do not be distressed and do not be angry with yourselves for selling me here because it was to save lives that God sent me ahead of you. For two years now, there's been famine in the land and for the next five years, there'll be no plowing and reaping. But God sent me ahead of you to preserve for you a remnant on earth and to save your lives by great deliverance. So then it was not you who sent me here, but God. He made me father to Pharaoh, Lord of his entire household and ruler of Egypt. So again, he mentions God a lot, remembering your master. I think it's really important. We cannot try and do this in our own strength. Humility is really important, but it was saying God sent him ahead to preserve for you a remnant. So we see Joseph, we remember Joseph, hopefully, as the second in command in Egypt. No one had more power than him in Egypt, but to get there, he had to serve and he continued to serve and he was diligent in his serving. So when we think of our dreams, when we think of the places we want to get to, to get to these places, we need to serve because these serving puts us in a position to receive more of God and to get to the next level. So our positions, although they may be for our own benefit, like maybe, I don't know, for your CV or just for your well-being, like, yeah, we want a new job, we want more money, but God puts us in these positions for other people as well to serve them in those places. Um, so another good example of that, I'm going to go through this real quick, <laughs> is David. So um, in 1 Samuel 16, verse 11, it introduces David as, um, so Samuel asked Jesse, um, are these all the sons you have? They're still the youngest, Jesse answered. He's tending the sheep. Send for him, and we will not sit down until he arrives. Until he arrives. Again, he's a servant. He was always taking care of his father's land and working for his brothers. Um, in 16, verse 
18, um, when Saul needed someone to play the harp so that his mind wasn't consumed um, with tormenting thoughts, um, Joseph came and it says, I have a son of Jesse of Bethlehem who knows how to play the lyre. That's cool. Um, he's a brave man and a warrior. He speaks well and he's fine looking and the Lord is with him. So David continued to serve Saul. He served his brothers. But really what got him to his position, we see him as David conquering the Goliath. The only reason why he was there is because he was serving his family. He was bringing food to his brothers. And so our service prepares us for our elevation. Our service positions us for our elevation. So the greatest leaders are the greatest servants. Gonna hand over to Justin <laughs> so, <yeah. laughs> on how Jesus represents serving. It's even crazy because Joseph that you were talking about, he dates, he predates Jesus by God knows how many years. David also. But there's one thing that is true, which is the heart of God is truly the heart of service. In order for Joseph to get to the end, look at his brothers and not think spitefully about what they did all those times. So here it Joseph is, he's about to provide for an entire nation and another one. And not thinking about whether or not these people deserve to receive what I'm about to receive. But those years of service, those years of willfully giving himself in situations that may not have necessarily been ideal. And that mirrors exactly what Jesus came to do. In Matthew chapter 20, so if you go from <coughs> verse 26, it says, But among you it must be different. Whoever wants to be a leader must first become a servant. That's just the way it works in this kingdom. Inside of this community, if you want to be great, you have to become small first. And why is that? Because we're working with God. If you decide to come as a great person, you must humble yourself so God himself sees his greatness above you and lifts you up. Because if he lifts you up whilst you're small, when you're at the top there, he's going to keep lifting you because you see him as bigger than you every single time. And the only way you're going to do that is having that heart of service. God set the example from the beginning where he said, for God so loved the world that he gave his only son. Gave you something that he should have never given to anyone else. But for this heart that he had, which is what? A heart of service. For this heart that he had for you and I, that they said, in order to get to you, I must give you what? Me. And you and I were given him even when we could not say thank you to him. Till this very day, to this day, <laughs> we look at what he did and we don't even give it credit at all. How many times do we say, Lord, I love you and do something completely different, but yet still, every single day, he, what, he gives. So how else are we going to grow in this community? You must look at the person next to you. You must look at this church and say, do you know what? If this church is to go forward, I'm willing to be of no reputation. I'm willing to be nothing and give you everything that I need. For the person next to you, if you will go forward one day and you will never say thank you to me, I'm willing to give you every single part of me. Why? Because that's what Christ did for me. His heart is what I have. Therefore, my heart is a heart of service. And that is it. Completely. If I will find no other gift or want no other gift from God, let him give me a heart, a gift of service. But I must tell everyone that this gifting and this heart of service that's coming don't serve because you want to thank you from someone. Because we're working with human beings. Man will never say thank you. When they say thank you, they will say thank you because of them. I want to show you that I am the bigger person. Hey, bro, you did great. Why? Because I led. If I did great, you did great. If you did great, you will tell me it's because of what you. That's the kind of thank you that men will give you. So if you're waiting for a thank you to serve, 
please don't. If you're waiting for someone to see you doing something and then say, yo, I see what you're doing, men will badly disappoint you. But it's someone that sees the person that gave you that heart to what? Serve. So that's why the Bible says when you do it, do it unto God and not unto man. That's why Joseph in prison, he was doing it unto God and not what unto man. Because men he interpreted for, they went before Pharaoh and they forgot him. But when God decided, when I look at the book of remembrance, as it says in Malachi, and I start to see everything that you did for me, then I lift you up. Because at that point, you littled yourself. So then we ask, how do we then take this heart of service that I now have, this gift of service, and give it to the church? And well, there are many ways inside of Imprint London. Amen, amen, amen. So we're just going to do a shameless plug. So um, maybe someone is feeling mad inspired and said, you know what? I'm going to do it. I'm going to go surf. Forget it. I'm going to do it. Well, there are many ways.